James 4, 13 through 17 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and train to make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. He may be seated. So here we are again. It's a new year. And I've seen it already all over Facebook. I know you have too. Hashtag new year new me. Right? I mean, we've seen it. I've been guilty of putting it on there, too. You know, when you go on Facebook, you look at your memories, and you're like, man, who was I in 2009? You know, you read all those back in the day that you wrote, and you're like, oh, my gosh, who am I? You know, it's a time of year that we make New Year's resolutions. And you know, the studies show that only 3% of people who make a New Year's resolution keep it. What do you think is the most popular one to make? Lose weight. Lose weight. The most popular thing is to get healthier, right? To lose weight, to be to be in better shape, right? What happens to us? We get about four days in and we start detoxing off those, you know, those Christmas tree dedicates. You know, we're having a rough time going through it, you know. And then what happens? You're flipping through the TV one day, Olive Garden hits you. Never in these hospitals. You know, you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta stay strong. I gotta stay strong. You turn, you turn the thing, you hit another channel, and then Red Lobster hits you. Endless shrimp. You're like, oh, I've got to do something with my life. This is terrible. This is tempting me. I'm just gonna watch something, and I know it's not gonna be bad. You turn on Nickelodeon, and then the Outback guy hits you. You're like, hey, shrimp on the mob. You know, two dollars and ninety nine cents. Add shrimp to your steak. It's over with. You're hooked. You're hooked. You're done. And then you're like, man, it's, I. Lord, I've, I've lasted four days. I got this, okay? We'll do what we say. I'll do better tomorrow. Uh, we'll start over again tomorrow. Or, hey, you know, it's the weekend. You know, one cupcake ain't going to hurt you. Next thing you know, you're in the kitchen at midnight eating a whole loaf of bread. You know? <laughs> Y'all laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> this car bins like crazy. Like, I need this, God. I really need this bread. Lord, help me. You know, that's how New Year's resolutions are. They start out with a great idea. I got a plan. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. And then we start getting into it and we realize it takes some work. And we're like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. And the next thing you know, you're endless shrimping at four plates in and life is good again, you know. <clears throat> you know, we've, we've, and there's nothing wrong with setting goals and trying to improve, improve yourself. What we've done, we've turned a blind eye to the truth. We're trying to make plans, these big, these big ordeals for the whole year. You know, I'm not a very, um, I don't know if you know this or not, I'm not a very organized person. Okay? Don't say amen, Megan. It's um, my wife. I'm not a very organized person. And so, um, you know, I've, I've, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe I should plan out my year. Maybe I should get a planner and plan it. And some people are good at that. Don't get me wrong. You've got it figured out. I do not have anything in life figured out at 34 years old, okay? And so I'm like, hey, maybe I can plan this, that, and the other, and maybe, 
on six weeks down the road, we can do this and that. And I'm trying to plan out my own, my own year, right? And as we've seen over the last couple years, I mean, we're just, there's no planning anymore. We, we never know what life is going to throw at us. When we have ideas and goals we try to set, man, the last two years in the, in the world, man, it's just been, it's just whatever. It's just life is throwing curveballs at us left and right. You know, we've been deceived. We turn a blind eye to the truth that we don't know what tomorrow brings. We have been deceived that we are in control of our lives and God's not. A little background in this passage in the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He has become a leader in the mother church in Jerusalem after Peter's departure to go and plant new churches. It's not like a letter that Paul would write to a certain church, but a letter to all Christians. James draws a lot of similarities from the Sermon on the Mount and in the book of Proverbs in this letter. So let's look at today's passage. James 4.13 Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. What's the issue in saying this? What's the issue in having this planned out? You know, someone saying, you know, like a person is saying in this, today or tomorrow, saying that today or tomorrow shows that the people who say this are in charge of when they will do things. We will go to such and such a town. It's a statement that seems like the person is in control of their destination. We'll spend a year there. The person seems like they're in charge of their time. We're going to trade and we're going to make a profit. Confidence on what they're going to do when they get there. And, what, and that God will bless them while they're there. In verse 16, James writes... And if you think like this, you're boasting in your own arrogance. You know, it's like it's like putting something together. I don't know about you, um, but when I get like a project, me and my buddy a couple years ago, I went to his house. And he's like, "Hey, man, I need your help with something." I'm like, "Sure, man. What you need?" It's like I need help putting a trampoline together. Okay? I don't know if anyone's ever put a trampoline together. It's the worst thing in the world. Okay? Just take it, burn the box, be done. Now. We go there, and he's like, hey, man, I need your help putting this trampoline together. I put it together for my kids. He, you know, when, we, when I was growing up, we didn't have safety nets on a trampoline. It was like if you fall and you, you, know, you die, you die. It's one of those things. <laughs> you just got to be tough. And so they didn't have safety nets, but then people got smart and said, hey, we need to probably put safety nets up there because we were uh, WWE Royal Rumble and every, every day we got on that thing. But we get there and we're like trying to put it together. And I'm like, hey, you know, he's like, hey, we need to look. Well, actually, not him or me, his wife and my wife are saying, hey, you need to read the instructions. And we're like, no, we're men. We don't need to read instructions, okay? Have any of you ladies ever heard that before, okay? I don't need instructions. I'm a guy. I'll figure it out. I was like, hey, man, how long do you think this is going to take? Ah, oh, man, you know, it's going to take about 30 minutes. We'll get this trampoline thrown together and be done with it. Yeah, six hours later, um, <laughs> as we're sitting there, and I'm trying, like, when you put a trampoline together, you're supposed to stretch the mat and then hook it onto this thing. But then what we did was, like, we hooked one side and didn't hook another, and so it was, like, trying to pull. Basically, what we needed was, like, his truck to hook to it and pull it and get enough 
support to pull the mat through. Because we didn't read instructions. Because you're supposed to put them in a clockwise ro rotation and be done with it. We're doing, hey, this side, that side, this, that, that, that. No. It didn't work out. Because we didn't know what we were doing. Because we thought we had it figured out. Right? And that's just not the case right here. Right here, the guy in verse 13, he's like, I got it figured out. Today or tomorrow, I'm going to go down here. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to trade. I'm going to do all these things here. And James is like, boasting like that. Is there it is. Just like I was going to say, I'll take about 30 minutes to put this trampoline together. No. The problem with the statement is that in verse 14, James writes, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. See, talking like that is very, very pretentious. And what we need to fall under. It's the providence of God. Mm. We need to let God control our lives, is what James is saying here. We'll continue on. In James 14, it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? I want you to hang on to those four words today. It's really the main driving point of what I'm talking about today. What is your life? And James says, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Not only do we not know what tomorrow brings, we also cannot control what tomorrow brings. James writes in verse 14, for you are a mist that appears a little time and then vanishes. You know, how do you... How this world is driven is how do we measure success in the world right now? Possessions, right? Money. I mean, there's people that have so much money they're flying spaceships to, I mean, they're just flying rockets into space because they have the money to do so. You know, we look at that and we're like, wow, that is successful. We look at different things in life that people have, it's like keeping up with the Joneses. Like, I've been guilty of that myself, too. And it can creep in on your life. I was in my neighborhood. I was the only guy that had a push mower. Everybody else had these nice riding lawnmowers, right? And I'm like, man, I really want to get me a riding lawnmower because I don't, I don't want to be pushing this thing around this my whole yard. I just want to be like everybody else. And what did I do? Make a dumb decision and buy a riding lawnmower. There's nothing wrong with a push mower, but I'm just trying to keep up with it. Because I measure success in having, hey, a riding lawnmower. Because I didn't have one of those growing up. And then one time, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I mean, just one time my mom, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's, it's just one of those stories that just hits you out of nowhere. You know, I mean, because when I was growing up, we had a, we had a lawnmower that was electric. Like, we had a lawnmower that you plugged in with an extension cord. It's basically like it was vacuuming your grass in your yard. That's what it was. You know, so when I grow up and have my own house, I see these people with these riding lawnmowers, I'm like, hey, I want what they have. You know, we can get so caught up in that. And that's how we measure success. We measure success in money. We measure success in education. Oh, this person has a master's. This person has their doctorate degree. We measure education and health. You know, like Justin, you know, he's got, you know, he's lost all that weight. He's got them six-pack abs. You know, he's a great guy. You know, I have them too, man. They're just down there for a while. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. They're resting. 
Um, we, we look at um, the education, health, achieve goals. These type of things is what the earthly life has declared that is successful. And what we need to do is we need to stop looking at what the world declares successful and start looking at what God says is successful. In Luke 12, 13 through 21, I'm going to read it real quick. You'll make a reference in that. Luke 12, 13 through 21. I'm going to read it to you real quick. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my son, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays a treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The verse has a clear warning that you prioritize what the world has to offer over what God has planned for you, then you have been deceived. So I ask you again, what is your life? <clears throat> life is too short to be consumed by what the world offers. Just like the mist <clears throat> vaporizes to the atmosphere in a matter of seconds, so will your life pass by. In verse 15 it says, You ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live. And then we'll do this and that. So many people have fallen under the category of verse 13. They can they have life planned out. Verse 15 states that if we fall under God, under the Lord's will for our life, and He allows us to live, then we'll be able to do this or that. These are my plans, but they are subject to the Lord. It's the way of thinking that we should have. Like, I hear, here are my plans for the year, Lord, but they're, they're subject to your will. Because, God, my ways are not your ways. God, my idea of thinking it's not your idea of thinking. But God, I have things that I want to achieve for my own self. But God, I want to submit to your will. A lot of times we make decisions on our own accord that don't align with God's will. Most things tend to happen. It's funny how we just sit back and look at those and go, wow, that didn't work out. And I wonder why. Because it didn't go according to plan. You know, I want to focus in here right, right now on verse 16. It says, as this, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. In verse 6, we're going to call this, at the end of this here, it's called a priority. James writes, so you're boasting in your plans like in 13. You're not submitting to God's will in 15. Your boasting is evil. We need to realize that we are not God, but we belong to Him. Mm. The issue that we see in this text is that our priorities are not aligned with God's priorities. 
That's the problem with this text here. What do we need to do with our life that we prioritize? We start to prioritize the things of God. What do we need to do? What steps do we need to take to make sure that our priorities align with what God's will is for our life? Because I've got a lot of steps. I've got a lot of ideas and stuff. But do my ideas and my things, are they the, do I prioritize what God wants over my life? Or do I prioritize what I want over my life? That's the problem. A lot of times we prioritize our wants, our needs, our deals, our goodness over what God has planned for us. What we think that is good over here, what the world has to offer for us. We prioritize this over here and God's like, no, what I have is so much better. But yet we run to this because we're so focused on the here and now that we're not focused on things above. We're not focused on what happens after the vapor dissipates. And you, and you go on living from this life to the next. We're so concerned about the here and now that we're not focused on eternal things. Mm-hmm. And that's we have been deceived. Yeah. The world has made it so easy for us to be focused on the here and now that we're not focused on eternity. <coughs> and what we do in this life matters. What we do in this life echoes throughout eternity. And we have we have fallen short in that category because we have been deceived. When I say new year, new me, I'm not talking about, hey, I'm going to use this time that God has allowed me to be wasted on things. That do not honor Him. I'm saying as a challenge to everyone. To use this life to honor Christ. Once we start prioritizing. The things of God. Over the things in your own life. You'll start seeing a difference in your life. Once you start letting God. Take control of your life. You'll see a difference. Because if you're like me. And you've tried to control your life for so long. I mean it just ends up like. You're wasting your time. Maybe this year we need to start focusing. And prioritizing. The things of God in our lives. To make a difference in our lives. In our communities. In our families. God has given each person in here. Different talents. Different gifts. Different abilities. That they can use to honor him. That we need to start prioritizing our lives. So folks, if we prioritize like we're supposed like if we were supposed to, like putting God first in our life, then you know we wouldn't have to have all these things up about we need volunteers here, we need volunteers there. And I'm not making a volunteer push. I'm just saying that if God was priority of our life, we couldn't help but volunteer. We would find right. joy in volunteering. That's we would right. find joy in helping. Then nothing better than making a cup of coffee. Yeah? And Making a cup of coffee or a smiling face when you walk through the door. Just different things like that. Not only will we make an impact in our church, we make an impact in our families. We make an impact in our workplace, in our communities. What are we using? What are we doing to prioritize that in our lives? Because that's what matters. What matters in this life is what God wants us to do. And once we fall short of the will of God, then we're just wasting our time. We're wasting our talents. We're wasting our gifts. And we have to prioritize that. That's what God wants us to do. Maybe this year we need to take a step back and quit thinking about what you want for your life and start thinking about what God wants for your life. Mm-hmm. And we don't think like that. 
It's a me-driven society. What can I do better as a person? Not what God can do through me. What can I do to get to glory? What can I do to be praised? And we don't, we don't want to give it and turn it over to God. So as the, um, as the band and group come up, you know, I, I want you to, to think about that. What is your life? What is your life? What does your life look like? Are you prioritizing the things of God? Or are you prioritizing what you want in life? You know, my challenge to everybody in here today is to pray. Pray, God, hey, look, what do you want me to do? God, what should I prioritize? God, what... How can I use my gifts and talents to better serve you? What area can I serve you? Whether it be in church, whether it be at home, God, whether it be in a workplace. God, what is it? God, what is your what is it that you want my life to be? <coughs> That's the questions we need to be asking ourselves. God help us today. Realize. Lord, this world is, is fleeting, our lives are fleeting. Time is of the essence. Time is short. It's like a vapor. It's like when you walk outside tomorrow morning when it's like snowing, when it's supposed to snow, and it's like 20 degrees outside. You blow your breath, you see the vapor, and then it just dissipates into nothing. That's what James is saying about your life. It's just fragile. It's short. And you look at that and you think that my life doesn't matter when you think of it in that, in that aspect, but no, it does. It's a big deal, your life is. So we got to start thinking about what happens after the vapor. What are we doing in this life that's going to echo through eternity? Mm. What are we doing to prioritize our lives to the things of God and not to the things that the world wants us to do? Mm. Maybe in 2022 we can take a step back and can really focus in and really lean in to the things of God. God, not my will be done. Father, it's yours.